For the past two Sundays, we've been studying one particular statement from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians. And the statement found in Philippians 1.21 reads, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We talked about what it means to live as Christ, and we talked about what it means to gain in death. Most messages are still available on Golden Beach Podcast, and that code on the bolts, and I fixed it, so uh, you can go directly to one of the places to find it if you want, or let me know and I can send it to you directly. But Each of the last two weeks, I asked you to individually and quietly reflect on how you're doing in response to Paul's statement. And I asked you if you're living a life that worships and honors God, and are you looking forward in faith to what he has planned for you in this life, and then for the eternity that comes afterwards. And this morning in our Bible study, we dug a little deeper and talked about the things that we value, how there are many good things in this life that we should recognize as good and valuable, and how to prioritize them appropriately in response to the statement from the Apostle Paul. And I believe that we can agree that this is life is certainly a journey, isn't it? Uh, the prophet Isaiah used these words to describe it, and this is from Isaiah 35.8. It says, And the highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those, who walk on, for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. So just imagine that, a highway, a direct road to heaven. And everyone on it is a Christian heading to redeem their salvation for an eternity with God the Father. A highway with no road rage, right? Because we Christians never, ever acted like that, do we? But anyway, Jesus himself speaks of the single specific path that the journey follows. From Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Now what I hear when I listen to his words isn't just that the gate exists and it's narrow, but also there's an alternate gate and an alternate road. Now, people like to debate this notion of predestination. They say, am I destined to go to heaven or am I condemned to spend an eternity in hell? Am I, am I destined to have a good life full of hopeless, hopefulness or one that's full of suffering? Am I lucky enough that my destiny is better than other people's? Where's the hope in that line of questioning? Where's the hope in thinking that it's predestined and this is all there is? Where's the freedom that God has promised you in a life that is on one of two paths with no option to change. Real change is possible. In fact, if Jesus is in your life, it is impossible not to be changed. And there are two paths. There's the right path and then the other path. Friends, there are two paths and two gates and you, don't, you can't be on both at the same time. Jesus made this point in one of his parables where he ended with a statement. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. In James 4.4, 4, he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. These are harsh words. But there is a hope in knowing that the right path and the right gate exist. And not only do they exist, but God wants you to make that journey adulteress that's what he said adulteress god has a great plan for you and you are cheating on him with other things if you've allowed other things to become gods in your life jesus's words are repeated again in luke 13 23 through 25 someone asked him lord are only a few people going to be saved and he said to them strive to enter through the narrow door for many i tell you will seek to enter and will not be able 
when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer to you, I do not know where you come from. Now I enjoy being scared, not like spider scared. And by that I mean that uh, I enjoy suspenseful dramas like on TVs and books, not like in my life. Like, you know. But I also enjoy horror movies and the cornier, the, the, the dumber, the better for me. All right? But nothing that I've watched lately is as unsettling me as this image of me or one of the people I know and love like you standing outside the door of heaven and knocking and hear God's voice on there saying, I don't know you. I don't know where you come from. That is troubling. I don't want to be there. I don't want that for any of you. Friends, we can focus on heaven, eternity, and the goal, or as Paul describes it so well in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Okay? It's a goal. It's a race. It's a journey. But let me warn you that the journey matters. Even though we're focusing on that prize, even though we, we're looking forward to that eternity, the journey matters. What we do now has an impact on our lives and salvation and others. And next week we're going to talk about the waypoints and benchmarks along our journey. But for now, let's prepare our answer to Jesus' question, which was, where do you come from? Well, like any other journey or route you plan, you have to know two things before you do anything else. Where you are and where you want to be. If you don't know where you're going, then I suppose the good news is you'll never be lost. But there's an unsettling nature to aimlessness, right? And I'm not talking about just going for a drive or walk with no set plan. Um, at times that can be cruising, right? Put the windows down and just drive around. You don't care where you go. Let's just enjoy it. It's refreshing. But wandering endlessly does not bring peace. For some, they wander spiritually for large portions of their lives. Sometimes they realize that something is missing, like this true purpose for their lives and God's intended blessings. There's something's missing, but they don't know what it is because they don't understand and they haven't asked. And sometimes they remain completely oblivious. They just think it's okay, whatever's going on. And as a result, they pursue things of lesser importance, of lesser good. These things don't fulfill them, so they either end up unhappy and, or, or emptiness in their soul, or they move on to the next thing that they believe will satisfy them. But they never quite find true joy. And neither type of these wanderings is good, right? God, at Jesus' request, had sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. If you shut it out, if you don't invite it in, if you shut it down or just plain ignore it, you will never, ever fill this God-shaped hole in your life. Nothing fits and fulfills and completes you like that which you were created to receive, right? It's a big spot, and if you try to fill this big spot with stuff, it may fill it temporarily, but it doesn't fit right, and you don't find that joy, not the, the deep-seated joy that's intended for you. And that just addresses the where am I going. The other piece of information that you absolutely must have to plan your route is where am I starting from? Or if Jesus said, where we come from? Now, I, I had a job for a, a company in Kansas City, and, and uh, I, was, I was encouraged by a friend of mine to, to go apply to another place. And he said, this guy, his name is Craig, he was a visionary. He was a salesman, which, so salesman, visionary, you know, he, he had grand plans. And, he, and my friend Jason said, he needs an operations guy like you, because I, to 
Sherry's bewilderment, I plan every little detail, you know, um, and it makes me good at my job. Really hard to live with, but really good at my job. And uh, anyway, he said he really needs someone like you. So I met this guy and he, I said, Craig, what do you want to do with this company? He said, I want to have the best service department in the city. And I don't mean just of all our industry. I mean like the entire city. And I said, wow, that sounds fantastic. What does that mean? He's like, he didn't know. He didn't, he didn't know where he was going with that. He just knew it needed to be different. And then he said, and I said, well, well how are you doing now? I'm not sure. We kind of have some reports. This accountant lady gives me every now and then. And I said, okay, we need to figure out where we are and where we want to be. And then we can figure out this path. And it's a lot like that. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? We know we want to get to heaven. I mean, how many people use the GPS on their phone or in your car regularly? I see some heads nodding. I do. And it's not just to find my way, but more so to help me plan my way. Because more often than not, I'm trying to find the least congested way to where I need to go. Like Monday through Friday, my morning commute could be 30 minutes or it could be over an hour, depending on the traffic. So I try to find the best way to go to avoid the mess and, and uh, to avoid all these problems. Now, I, I say problems very selfishly because my problem is I don't want to be late. The problem is that someone's having a worse day than I am, right? But every time I turn it on and ask me two questions, where do you want to go? It says, what's your destination? And where are you coming from? Where are you now? Luckily, you can push a button. It says, I am here. And even if I don't know where here is, somehow, magically, the car knows that's where I'm at. Some little triangle on the middle of a road. And if you start heading the wrong way, what does it do? It recalculates or it tells you to turn around, right? It's going to sound so cheesy to say this, but God is like a GPS, right? God, maybe, maybe the analogy helps you understand something a little about the way that this narrow path works, right? I'm here. God sees where I'm at. He knows where I want to go. And we follow this thing. And if we get off path, he recalculates it for us. Fortunately, there's only one destination, and that never changes. A couple quick verses that tell us about this truth. Psalm 102, 27, the psalmist writes, But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. God is the same. Malachi 3, 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Right? Like father, like son, right? And James 1, 17, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow really hard to find your way to something that's always moving really hard to hit a target that's always moving but this narrow path this narrow gate are always where the rat and the path is always the same so the sun changing destination is god himself seated on his throne in heaven with jesus christ our savior at his right hand who's gone ahead, as he has promised, to prepare a place to receive us. And that is our home. That's where we're trying to get. So, like the message says, how do we get home from here? Well, what you're here. Don't say Golden Beach Church, because if there literally were a drive straight from here to God, I'd have to excuse myself, and I'd be on my way, and you'd be welcome to follow me. But here is wherever you are right now, at this moment in your spiritual journey. And this journey doesn't take into consideration your age or your gender or your race or anything else. It is based on something greater than that. And it's considerably more personal than that. Your here is reflective of where you are in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. It is indicated by your level of obedience to Him and His commandments. And it is displayed by your engagement of the Holy Spirit through its fruits. Do you remember what those fruits are? Love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You got it. Darn it, right? You always throw that last one. <laughs> Friends, acknowledge where you are in these important areas and be honest with yourself. This morning we did that as a Bible study. We just made a little chart of, of the things that are important in our life. We didn't even have to share them, but you need to know what they are. And we're going to note them for the purpose of planning our route along this narrow path and nothing more. Not to condemn ourselves, not to share, not to boast, just so we know honestly where we are right now. Because remember from last week's message, it's not about where you were. It's about now going forward. It's forward-looking faith. And I can guarantee that every person in the sanctuary this morning and everyone listening online, no matter how well you know, like, or consider yourself similar to those around you, every person is uniquely different. And that's by God's design. But let me share a couple of examples from the Bible. This is Matthew 19, 16 through 24. And it's the rich in the kingdom of God. It says, just then a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Fair question. And Jesus says, Why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. The man says, Which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your mother and father and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? We're familiar with these. And the man says, All these I've kept. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had a lot to lose. He had a lot of things that he considered important. Now I want to compare this to uh, Luke 21, 1 through 4, and this is the widow, the widow's might. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people have their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of the poverty put in all that she had to live on. Two completely different people at two different places in their earthly lives. A rich man, a young man, and a poor widow woman. That's not where the differences end. They viewed what they had differently, didn't they? When we learned during this morning's Bible study that having things or interests or pretty much anything isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. In fact, a lot of them are very good, but do you have it prioritized properly? Are you using it to worship God as a, as a way to further his kingdom? Can you imagine the good that could have been done with the offering of that rich young man? Can you imagine the good that was actually done by the wonderful lifestyle, the worshipful lifestyle of this woman? We don't know her name, but I assure you God does. And he knows the selfish man's too. So what is the similarity between these two people as it relates to the narrow path? They are both called to trust God with everything they have, just like I am and just like you are. We are called to trust God with everything. Again, these are examples of money and giving, but the application is equally true in all areas we are called to be obedient. Do you trust God with your grudges and offer forgiveness because you know that he is the good judge? Or are you holding some resentment or anger do you trust God with your anxiety and give him your cares because you know he loves you and he's the source of your hope? Or do you hang on to him just a little bit because it's the one thing you control is how you feel? It's not real control, is it? Do you trust God with your health and wellness and take care of your body but also know he is the great physician, right? God, heal my body. Do you trust God with your finances and are you a good steward of what he's provided? 
and do you honor him with how you use it? Do you trust God's timing and wait with patience because you know that he has good plans for you? Are we in a rush to get there? Do you trust the Holy Spirit working in this world and let it guide your actions and words because you knew you were called to gentleness, to love and share? And do you trust God to control everything in this world except only what is yours to control because you understand that self-control leads to peace and joy? How are you doing with these questions? Are you, are you starting to get a picture of where you are now? Are you understanding the importance of knowing that you're here as a starting point of the journey home from this point? Do you wonder if you've wandered a little from the path? Good news, you can recalculate your route and get there from here, wherever you are right now. It doesn't matter if you've turned away or fallen off the path or you have no idea where you're at. God knows exactly where you are. Just say, God, I'm here. I'm here, find me and get me back to you. It may take you through some yuck because you have to repent and face some consequences, but God has promised you a way through. He's promised that. He'll get you through it and back into his grace. It's a promise. And the last part of this morning's study and discussion was a simple task. I said, pick one area. could use a little improvement or something new you thought of in direction and priority and, and make it your focus. So for the next 10 days, do that. Pick, take an area of your life even if it's a good area, something that you think you're doing really well, and just really focus on, on how God can use that and use you, whether it be, you know, time you spend with your family. Are you making good influence to your family and friends on, on godly living? How are you doing with your finances? Are you, are you putting other priorities ahead of him that are good, but maybe not, uh, maybe shouldn't be that way? Or... Maybe you found something phenomenal that you really enjoy, that brings peace and joy to you, and just share that. Do that. Do that simple thing, and you've taken a step along the right path that leads you to the right gate that ultimately gets you home from here. And if you need a little more help, information, or maybe a small measure of accountability, because we are called to hold each other accountable, you don't need to do this alone. That's what's wonderful about church, and that's what's really wonderful about Golden Beach Church, right? It would be a blessing for any of us to be a part of your story. If there's something that the church can do or that I can do for you personally, I want to hear from you. We are to encourage and build each other up with our words and gentle touches and prayer, right? So don't leave this place unchanged this morning or with any question or hesitancy about the direction you need to go to get there from here. Okay, let's pray. Father God, in this world where you have given us the blessing of freedom, we can go in so many directions and do so many things. But God, with all that being said, you still call us to one simple path, one narrow path as you describe it. But it's not narrow as in unmanageable, as in hard to traverse. It's just narrow in, it's pretty much black and white. This is what you should do. This is what you need to do to get to the gate and get in through the gate. God, you know our struggles. You know the things we're good at and the things we love. You know the things that we, we aren't very good at. And God, you've you called us to take all of this and put in a life that's worshipful to you. God, help us to recognize the opportunities to excel in areas of giftedness to increase our faith by applying the lessons of your scripture 
into aspects of our life that we may not have thought about being very biblical or scriptural. Help us to draw people into that and to draw into a relationship with you. And God, when, when like so many times we struggle and get a little sidetracked or a lot sidetracked, help us to pause, to humble ourselves in prayer and say, God, find me. And then to listen, as you say, this comfortable world has said, son, you were never lost. Daughter, I know exactly where you are. It's not where I want you to be either. Come this way. Father, thank you so much for that promise. And as we continue this week, facing the joys and the struggles, all the medical concerns that we have with ourselves and our friends, all the, the temptations that we'll be faced with, everything from addictions to just anger and frustration and resentment. God, help us to let those go. Let nothing weigh us down. God, you want nothing more than an eternity with us, and that's what we want with you as well. As always, I just want to thank you for this church, this building, and all those here. The love and encouragement that I feel personally every week that I hope everybody else does as well. And I want to pray for the empty places and pews that you fill them with people hungry for your word. Help us to be an inviting and welcoming congregation as we seek to grow your kingdom here on the earth and in Golden Beach. Amen.